It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose in our 2013 College Football Preview. And Zeke, that was a great interview with Brock Heward. He had a lot of information for all of us big college football fans across the country. Man, man, I was just, I was enjoying my time. Brock is, you know, such a professional, such a clean analyst. Uh, and, uh, man, one of the, some of the stories about talking about the Heisman and everything else, uh, I was in heaven just now talking with Brock. Well, speaking of stories, the show is not going to end on that note, Zeke, as we have distinguished professor Randy Roberts, a professor of history at Purdue University and the author of several books, most recently A Team for America, The Army-Navy Game That Rallied a Nation, and Joel Lewis, Hard Times Man. His latest work, though, is called Rising Tide, Bear Bryant, Joe Namath, and Dixie's Last Quarter. And he joins us right now on Motivation with a Purpose to talk about his latest work. Professor Roberts, how are you? And welcome to the show. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Rich and Zeke? Looking forward to talking about some football. We are doing great. Love loved to talk some football with you today. Uh, Professor Roberts, i got to ask you, Joe Namath was known as a flamboyant quarterback during his time at Alabama and with the New York Jets. And recently, Johnny Manziel has come on the scenes. Come on the scene. Do you see a lot of comparisons or a lot of similarities between Johnny Manziel and Joe Namath? Well, yeah, you do. I mean, they're. I don't think they were probably the first two football players or undergraduate football players to uh, to drink before they were twenty one. But they they live flamboyant lifestyles. Uh, but here's the key: both of them. You know, once they get on the practice field, once they get in and put a game jersey on and put the pads on, both of them are winners. Both of them will give their all for the team. Joe, for example, I mean, he tore his knee up his senior year. And rather than wait for the pros and a big contract, he played for the remainder of the season as much as he could with that hurt knee. He kept hurting it and tearing the ligaments more in it. But, you know, he he did anything for the team to win. And I think Manziel would do the same thing. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's what they do on Saturday afternoons. If they they act like an undergraduate uh, during uh, their off-season, I don't know. I don't get that upset about it. Professor Roberts, what's different about this Alabama football book that Alabama fans would learn some new things and learn more about the bear and the unique relationship between Joe Namath and the bear? Well, by focusing on a short period of time, the four years that Namath at Alabama, what they're going to learn is what's happening in the state at that time. This is the, this is the pivotal years in the civil rights movement and the resistance to the civil movement by some people in Alabama. And they're going to learn about the development of big-time Football. I mean, when Joe Namath graduates, football has moved into a different level. Uh, imagine this. In 1964, the Orange Bowl was played on Saturday afternoon, as it always had been played. 5.5 million 
families tuned in to that game. In 1965, for the first time, the game is played in prime time, under light, in living color, as they like to say at that time, and show the peacock. 25 million people turn into it. Okay, football has taken a quantum leap. We're only a hop, step, and jump away from Monday night football. It's not a sport anymore. It is entertainment. And that's what we have today. Let me ask you, Professor Roberts, do you think that two other individuals other than Paul Bear Bryant and Joe Namath could have been at the center of something like that and accomplished what they did? Or were they uniquely qualified for all the things that they were going through at the time in 1961 to 1965? I think, I think they're unique. I mean, if I asked you who's the most iconic college football coach at all time, I would say, no question, Bear Bryant. And you maybe see it say somebody else, but if you give me the second, it's going to be Bryant. And if you say, who's the most iconic football player? I'm not saying the best football player. I'm saying the most iconic football player who transcended sports and moved into a different level of, of entertainment. It's Joe Namath. Um, you, you know, you don't have two people that unique working together, trying to figure each other out, trying to understand each other. At one point in Joe's junior year, he gets thrown off the team for drinking and, and other activities. But you just don't have this with any other coach and player. What do you think is the most unique thing that people will learn about Coach Bryant that they don't know now? Just how dominating his presence was. You know, Bobby Marks, who played under Coach Bryant and, and, and coached under him then, Somebody asked him one time, you know, well, what does he have? What made him different? What, what made him unique? And Bobby Martin said, you know, I don't know what he had, but he had a whole lot of it. Um, and I think that describes Coach Bryant. He had charisma in stage. He dominated. In the period that I'm talking about, his career was on the line. He was accused by the Saturday Evening Post of fixing, conspiring to fix a football game, the 1962 Georgia-Alabama game. And he went on trial. There was a big trial in Atlanta in the summer of, of 63. And Brian, when he went on the witness stand, one lawyer who was there representing, it was a law professor representing uh, the Southeastern Conference, said that in his life in the law, he had never seen a judge, uh, a lawyer, or uh, somebody testifying, a defendant, so dominate the courtroom. I mean, nothing had happened like that. So the story I'm telling, you know, we have Brian fighting for his football life. We have Joe Namath being thrown off the team and then destroying his knee, hurting his knee badly and fighting for his football life. We have America struggling for a new way of life in the South. So to me... This is a story with all kinds of implications and all sorts of of lines going everywhere. Randy, uh, Zeke here, just listening to you and Rich talking is an amazing thing to listen to uh, as you express. But I, I, as you talk about these quarterbacks, these individuals, I really want you to kind of hold, I mean, talk it down a little bit for us on being under pressure and uh, what Joe Namath was dealing with, Bear Bryant, I mean, just focus on the pressure aspect of what is the difference between those players then and what we have today in our culture. Well, when you're when you're playing for Joe Namath, 
excuse me, when you're playing for Bear Bryant, you're playing for pressure. Bear Bryant, and it's not just pressure on game day. It's pressure every single practice, every single play. You know, Brian was going to start the people that did the best every every practice. And players said, you know, Saturdays weren't pressure. Pressure was making sure that you were going to be on the field on, on Saturdays. What Brian used to say, and it was very compelling, is he would break a game down into how many plays there were in a game and how long every play took. And he would say, look, the average play only takes five or six seconds. And maybe you're in 30 plays. Maybe you're in 40 plays. How long is that? A minute and a half? Two minutes? And what he would say, I want your maximum effort for five seconds, for six seconds, every single play. And that's in practice. That's in drills. That's in the game. And if you don't get it, give it to me, you know, as he used to say, get good or get gone. Randy, yeah, yeah, man, I just talk about that. Isn't there a story you tell or a piece you write about uh, a player who was uh, the bear burn, make him run, the, uh, run a heart attack out or something of that nature? Can you can you give us some insight to that story? That's right. There was a guy who, uh, you know, it was during a drill in, a, in in two days in the summer, and and he fell and he grabbed his heart, and he said, "You know, coach, coach, I think I'm having a heart attack." And the coach, assistant coach, it wasn't Bear, but he coached like Bear. The coach said, son, you got to learn how to suck up them heart attacks. Okay, well, he came back and he continued to play, and later he went in the Army and he got a complete physical, and they found out that, lo and behold, the guy had suffered a heart attack. Randy, what is your favorite story in this brand-new book, Rising Tide? Wow, there's so many. But one of the things that I liked is when Brian showed up at Alabama in the winter of 1957. He was just coming there, and he had just left. He was in a bad mood because he had been coaching at A&M, and he had a team in A&M that was ranked number one in the nation. They had won eight straight games. As a matter of fact, they hadn't lost a game in 18 straight games. And then the rumor got out that he may leave. He hadn't said he would leave yet. The rumor got out they lost their last three games by a total of six points. Now, that stuck in his craw, the idea that you could lose a national championship on a couple plays. So when he shows up, he's not in the best mood. And he draws his players together for their first meeting, and it starts punctual. He always started punctually. And he looked at the players, and he said, how many of y'all have girlfriends? They're football players, right? You know, they raise their hand. Some of, the, some of them are raising two hands, saying they have two girlfriends. Right. And he looks at him and he says, well, you all might as well pack your bags right now because you're not going to have time to play football under me. And he was dead serious. And at the end of the, the meeting, he looked at him and said, I don't know any of you, and I don't want to know any of you. I'll know all I need to know and the ones I need to know by the end of spring practice. And that's how he learned about people. He learned by he wanted to see how much heart they had and how much they would give. That's one story. I mean, there's a million I could tell. Now, Randy, one of the things that we've already talked about in our brief time together is the political and social change that was going on during this time in Alabama and all over the country. Bear Bryant at one time was perceived as a racist. Uh, is that accurate or no. – Oh, Tell us more about that. Yeah, no, I don't think he had, was a uh, racist at all. As a matter of fact, 
uh, you know, some of the people who have talked about the book and actually gave a jacket blurb, one of them, who was the assistant head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, gave a, a John Mitchell, who was a first black player under Coach Bryan. And Mitchell would say, Coach Bryan never thought in terms of black players or white players. He talked in terms of football players. Alabama wasn't integrated earlier, not because of Coach Bryant, the football team. It was because of the administration. It was more even importantly because of the state. you got to understand, in 1963, George Wallace was inaugurated governor of, of, of Alabama. And in his inauguration speech, he said famously, you know, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. So this is what Bryant had to overcome. Now, some people have suggested that Brian could have taken Wallace on and defeated Wallace, and maybe that's true. I don't know. But there's an old Southern expression is that, you know, never get in a fight with a pig because you're going to come out covered with mud and the pig's just going to love it. Um, and, and I think that's the way Brian. Brian viewed himself as a football coach. He saw great black players, and, and he, 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 he was concerned with him. What he would do is he would call up one of his friends at a northern school. One of his best friends was Duffy Darty at Michigan State. And he would say, Duffy, there is a great player down here, and I wish I could recruit him, but I can't. But you ought to take him because he is going to be and is a football player. I don't know. Does that answer that a little bit for you? That sure does. That sure does. Zeke, you had a follow-up question. Yeah, yeah. As we come to the uh, to to so wrap your Randy, we got a few more minutes left. But I want you to talk a little bit. Coaches have always been known or infamous for for a bit of scandal here and there. And I believe there was a scandal that involved an Atlanta businessman and some phone conversations. And uh, as you draw, I mean, as you answer that question, tell us about the story. Draw a contrast with what we're dealing with around all these these new, young new coaches uh, that have had uh, issues in the press and so forth and scandals. How do you look at, how do you contrast the, the two eras? Yeah, well, the one story that you're talking about now is, the oddest story that you can imagine. Imagine yourself, this guy by the name of George Burnett gets on a phone in Atlanta, and some wires are crossed someplace in the phone system, and he suddenly finds himself privy to a conversation that he, that he doesn't know. It is a conversation between Coach Bear Bryant at Alabama and Wally Butts, who was athletic director and the former coach of the University of Georgia. And these two guys are talking about Football. You get two football coaches together, they're going to be talking about football. And they're talking about their players and they're talking about what their teams, and, you know, they're exaggerating and, and, and sometimes they're fabricating what they're saying, but they're talking football. But Burnett thinks they're fixing a game. They're talking about players, what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, they must be fixing a game. And this story gets out to the Saturday Evening Post. And the Saturday Evening Post printed the story, and said that Butts and Bryant fixed a football game. And it was the worst scandal in sports since the Black Sox scandal in baseball. This is what Bryant had to fight for. So I guess the, what we can carry to that, you know, you better be careful what you say. Even today, in our 24-hour media, of, you know, people with cell phones and and what have you, anything you can say can be distorted. Anything you can say, anything you say, it may look, taken out of context, it may look differently to somebody else. 
Our guest has been distinguished author Randy Roberts, the book Rising Tide. Bear Bryant, Joe Namath, and Dixie's Last Quarter. Get it at fine book outlets near you. I'm Rich Hallstrom for Zeke Bambolo. This has been Motivation with a Purpose. Tune in next week for another exciting episode right here on Talk Zone.